All right. Hi, my name is Shannon Lee. And I'm Jason Otero. And you're listening to The Slapcast. Hi, everyone. How are we doing? I mean, really, how are we doing? Are we okay? Are we okay? We're at the start of May here, and at this time of year, it's usually pretty hopeful for me. Like, the weather is getting nice here in Ohio. It's getting warmer, and I start getting really excited about summertime. I so look forward to it. But you know what? Times are really strange right now. I, if I'm honest, have not been okay the past few weeks. Um, And I think that's okay. I'm okay with not being okay. I guess a better way to express my feelings is to simply say that all the things I talk about as far as servant leadership, the mindset around servant leadership are actually mattering more and more right now. And I feel challenged like never before to really take my own advice. How about you, Jason? Are you okay? I don't know. Um, (laughs) It it depends on the day. There are days where I'm like, this is great. Every morning feels like Saturday morning. And then there are other days when the kids wake up and they start fighting really early and it's really loud in the house. And I'm like, this is terrible. It's just like Saturday morning every day. (laughs) And then I remember that I'm trapped in the movie Groundhog Day and every day is on repeat. And I like to people. And so um, there are some times where there are moments where it's like, this is refreshing and I'm making the most of it. And then there are other days where I'm like, this is a prison that we all live in. (laughs) Let me out. So it's it's a a roller coaster of emotions for me, for sure. I was on Twitter today. I, I check Twitter. I, I'm down to checking Twitter only twice a day now because when I get on Twitter, it's so polarizing that and people, you read someone's opinion and you're like, oh my gosh, is that true? Is that, is that, should I think that way too? Because people are so opinionated. And so I had to really limit my exposure because I started realizing that it was causing me to just question way too deeply, right? And so, but I did read one interesting tweet today. It said, check on your extrovert friends. And I immediately thought of you, Jason, because there's, we have a small staff and of the three of us, you are the most outgoing people orient. I mean, we all love people. You get your energy from people. And so, whereas I get my energy from solitude. And so, um, I really feel like everyone's staying at home and in their little, you know, cubbies, if you will, is a challenge for folks that really like to people. Yeah. Like an example would be, I typically would loathe going for that one thing we forgot at the grocery store and I'm volunteering to put a mask and gloves on (laughs) to walk six feet away from people who are all looking at each other like don't get any closer than you are right now yeah we're not we're not talking about the fact we're all reaching in the same produce bin but um yeah it's it's a very interesting time and when we look through socials you know there's a lot of opinions on how we should but i think we should pause and appreciate the quality of memes that are being dropped right now oh my gosh so much good content there are people who have been waiting for this moment they've been (laughs) stockpiling goodies and there's just so much out there for us to take in and enjoy it so you know in the middle of all that there have been a lot of good laughs uh come out of the mess and the chaos i guess well like i said i've been really challenged around the mindsets that we talk about on the slap cast the mindsets that we stand for at relay and today we're going to talk a little bit about how we can take some of these mindsets of servant leadership and get a little bit more tactical with them specifically in this time of crisis a couple reminders you can find this podcast where all podcasts are found 
We are at Relay Leadership on all the socials. And our email, if you want to contact us, is slapcast at relayleadership.org. And that is spelled R-E-L-A leadership.org. I want to let you know that you can buy my book now. Now, listen, this goes... I, this feels so self-serving to me. I just want to be honest. But people have been messaging me saying, "Are you, why aren't you promoting your book? And I'm like, oh, because COVID-19, there's like bigger things going on right now. They're like, no, this is when you should be talking about it. People need to be thinking about and learning about these mindsets because they can help them. These are people who know a little bit about, you know, what's in this book. So I want to let people know they can get this book and they can get it in two ways and you can choose who or what you want to support based on your purchasing choices. You ready for this? So one way is you can support me personally. (laughs) You can buy this on Amazon. Just search for it by name. It's Servant Leader Mindset, Shannon M. Lee. You can find it on Amazon. It's, It's set up that way because it's my account. The proceeds from Amazon go to me. Now, I'm not actually asking you to do that. What I'd really like for you to do is go to our website, and I'm gonna give you that address in a second. Buy it from Relay. I don't even make a dollar. I don't keep one red cent of that 15 bucks that we're gonna charge you. We're gonna send you this book, and all of the proceeds go to support our nonprofit Relay. And that's relayleadership.com slash servant leader mindset. Really simple. $15. We'll send you the book. Okay. Can I Uh, lay down the gauntlet here and just encourage people? If you're like me and on Sunday morning, you get a screen time report on your iPhone and you've cringed in the last few weeks. Um, it's time to read a book. And so <laughs> at your screen, this time. <laughs> is a great way to do this. And, you know, reading a digital version would be, you know, okay of some sort, but we need to be filling our minds with something other than maybe all the things that we're filling them with in our spare time that we have so much of uh, right now. Well, thank you for that. And we are definitely, we, we want to get this in the hands of people because I feel passionately, and I know I'm biased because I wrote the book, but I feel passionate about the mindsets that are in this book. To me, mindset is what causes a lot of change in people. And I talk about servant leader mindset and I wanna move beyond mindset though, because I think for some people, mindset can seem sort of um, esoteric or not, it's just not as concrete. I fully recognize that some people, the way change occurs is they actually start to employ new practices, new actions, new strategies and tactics. And then their mind, the mindset that they once had, they're like, man, maybe that's not true anymore. So for some people it works in reverse. So, and I understand that. So change is created a lot of different ways. So today we're gonna talk about a couple strategies and tactics for embodying key servant leadership mindsets. We'll mention the mindsets only to kind of get us all on the same page, but we're not gonna dive into the mindset itself, but rather, kind of move on to strategies and tactics. So you're gonna get a real special bonus today because as you can already tell, Jason Otero, our community engagement manager is going to join me. So let's get started. All right, Jason, I chose two strategies that come from one mindset, because I feel like this one particular mindset really is gonna serve us all well as we move through this continuing crisis. And what I believe on the horizon is an eventual recovery period. Now, there's a lot of argument around how long that recovery period's gonna last. I personally think it's gonna be at least 24 months, but 
the mindset Say it isn't so Shannon. I know. Well, I think we're going to have loosening social I don't know, allowances that happen gradually. But and I'm going to call that whole time the recovery period, right? So, but nonetheless, it's going to feel like a crisis for quite a while. It's going to feel like that for quite a while. And I think a lot of people are feeling extra vulnerable vulnerable, excuse me, right now. Here's why. Never have we ever, at least in my lifetime, felt more deeply our lack of control. I believe that control is an illusion. We can't control the future. We don't know the future. But something about all that's happening right now, I think people are feeling it more acutely. Like they're realizing, whoa, wait a second. I don't have control over stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. Many people have lost their jobs. They've been furloughed or their their pay has been cut or they're running organizations and they're having to lay people off or getting ready to lay people off or already have laid people off. And so then the question becomes, well, how long is it going to take for the organization to recover? There's all this unknown where all of the metrics that we had in relays included in this, all of the plans that we had for this year, all of the metrics we had for fundraising and, and bringing in revenue and all of that has had to be completely reworked because of this crisis. And so we feel extra vulnerable. We feel like we're in danger. And so it might sound strange, but I think we need to double down on vulnerability. I think we need to actually, and I hate to use this term because it's overused, but I think we need to lean into vulnerability. Um, But before we dive in, I want to define a couple terms. Strategy, so when we talk about strategies and tactics, strategies are the long-term plans to a desired destination and how we want to get there. Okay. Tactics are the concrete steps we take along the way. Sometimes people get strategies and tactics mixed up. So I just want to say that. So as we talk about vulnerability, as far as strategies and tactics, the strategy is like one big idea of something that we can do to embrace more vulnerability. And and what we're going to focus on for the podcast today is um, the workplace. So we're going to, I'm going to talk about a strategy and then you and I are just kind of Mm-hmm. kind of have a discussion around some tactics that might do nice. that. And some of the tactics are going to be really simple and mm-hmm. maybe even easy to think of, and others might be a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe people haven't thought of them yet. So so that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Sounds great. Let's All do right. it. All right, so the mindset is vulnerability. The first strategy I came up with, um, and please know this is through a lot of deep thought and scientific research, that I came up with this. <laughs> this will be good. <laughs> um, actually, it's it's really quite simple. The first strategy is to reach out with kindness, transparency, and frequent communication. The reason why I came up with that is because for many people, vulnerability actually creates a fear response. And a fear response for most human beings causes us to actually withdraw and to withhold. So I don't want to feel more vulnerable, so I'm going to hold on to information, or I'm going to withdraw from people, I'm going to withdraw from situations. And I don't mean more than we already have to right now because of our stay-at-home order, but what I mean is leaders in particular might feel like, ooh, I want to withhold information because I don't want people to be more scared. And I think that's a mistake. So I think there are ways we can tactically reach out with kindness, transparency, and frequent communication. And I have some ideas on that, but what are your thoughts right now? Just hearing that for the first time, Jason, wink, wink. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> sure. So when we talk about the strategy with that, and you're talking about kindness, transparency, I immediately had this, um, 
vision in my mind of the end of the Wizard of Oz when the wizard is frantically behind the curtain. Everything has hit the fan. He's reaching for all the knobs and everything he can, trying to hold the curtain shut, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. (laughs) For a lot of us, I think this is our tendency when we're in a moment or season of crisis or when we know we can't fake what's happening and present something other than reality. The situation we're in, we're going to be there for a while. This isn't um, a traumatic experience happened. Now, how do we rebound? This is everyone is in this unknown season and there's not a real clear answer on what the other side looks like. And we're all in that together. And so what's interesting about that strategy, I think, is it's a challenge for us sometimes to see transparency and kindness one in the same because mm-hmm. we want to present a different picture. Um, we want to be like, oh, we've got it all put together. Right. We want to shut the curtain, look at the screen again, you know, the all powerful wizard. When in reality, we have a lot of insecurities that we're dealing with in these moments. And sometimes the kindest thing we can do to ourselves, which will become the expression with our teams, is being honest with where we are in that moment. To be clear is to be kind. And so um, it doesn't always feel well to receive reality, but when we can embrace the situation we're in, I think it's going to help us. So uh, Wizard of Oz is my big takeaway there. So one, okay. (laughs) Well, you bring up a good point. So one of the tactics I wanted to offer up is, and this is super specific, and it falls under that category of transparency, and that is be willing to say, I don't know. And I think a great example, I know people listen to this podcast from probably all over the place. We're in Ohio, for anyone that doesn't know, and we have a stay-at-home order. And actually, when this podcast airs, we may or may not have a stay-at-home order. We'll we'll see. Um, Our governor, Mike DeWine, I really appreciate his daily briefings because when a reporter asks him a question and they don't have the plan yet, he says, I don't know. We don't have a plan for that yet. Now, to me, that's really uncommon from a politician and from many leaders because as a leader, it'd be so, it's so normal to feel like you want to have all the answers and to have a leader to say, you know what? We aren't ready to make that decision yet. We don't know. We don't have enough data to make that decision. To me, that's a level of transparency that while a a fake answer or a lie might have, you know, assuaded the reporter in the time, in that moment in time, down the line, it would come to kind of bite the governor and the rest of us in the rear end because maybe that answer wasn't based in data and he would have to go back and change his mind later. It'd be much better as a leader to say, I don't know, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. And sometimes that is more comforting, I think, if you're listening to that leader because you see them as a human being. Yeah. And I think we have a fear that when we say, I don't know, that we are chalking up a failure or somehow, you know, we're taking a downturn by saying this. But I think the words, I don't know, are very empowering. I think uh, when you're leading a team, I don't know could be the key to unlock the door to wonder and curiosity with the people that you have around you. People may lead up with ideas for the very problem you just can't get your mind around. But many people are, are in an environment or fear that they're in an environment where that wouldn't be welcomed or invited. And here you are on the other side of leadership saying, man, if somebody just had an idea of how we would navigate this difficult yeah. situation. And so I don't know can be a very empowering 
interesting phrase. And for ourselves, it releases this fear, which can get in the driver's seat of our leadership many times. Um, we're afraid to say, I don't know, because we look at ourselves and say, oh, I actually don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. What does this mean about who I am? And we go into this spiral of you know our own existence and and what it what it could mean. When in reality, many times we just need to embrace where we are yeah. <laughs> and and invite people into that moment with us. You know, right now we are doing pro bono coaching for all the nonprofits in Central Ohio that want to join in. It's a private nonprofit only group coaching session every week. And this topic actually came up on the session this week. And it was a different scenario, but the the scenario um, relates to not knowing. And that was that you've got a leader who has people on her team who are more experienced and know more than she knows. And she was feeling like she wasn't a good leader because she didn't know as much as them because she was leading more experienced people. Now that might mean more experience in an industry or maybe it means more experience just chronologically, meaning they're older than her in it or both. The point is, is that in the coaching, what she came to realize was her value as a leader isn't in knowing all of the things. That's the old paradigm of leadership. The old paradigm is the leaders at the top has all the answers, gives all the direction, and everyone else beneath that leader is just a peon and knows less or is treated as such, which is probably more closer to the truth. They were just treated like they didn't know as much. And then, of course, in that scenario, what you miss out on is the the life experience, the ingenuity, the wisdom, the education of everyone else around you who may have less or more experience than you. Because sometimes someone who is less experienced than you, that doesn't mean that they don't have really great ideas and something to add. And so she began to see, as the coach was talking to her, that her value to the organization as a leader wasn't in knowing everything, but it was in the ability of holding space for people who knew less than her and more than her and bringing them all to the table to come up with the best solution to problems, not for her to come up with the solution because she knows it all. And it was such a, a shift for her in her thinking. So that being able for her, for her to embrace the I don't know was a huge pivot for her in her leadership. And when we say I don't know, our tendency is to think immediately. We start with what's going to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I would just encourage all the leaders listening right now to give yourself 30 seconds to think about what could go right in this season that wasn't going to, you know, with, with the routines that you were in. What could be discovered? What development could take place in your team? What hidden talents are going to pop up if you give the space for that to breathe? And so give yourself permission to daydream on the positive side and not just live in nightmares. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it can be very empowering. Easy to do that. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about kindness for a second. I, the, the one tactic I want to mention with kindness is something I've experienced frequently as of late. And I'm mentioning it because I hope that we carry this through after, you know, when we're in the recovery period. And that's this. I've received emails, phone calls, and uh, text messages from other organizations, from clients, from other nonprofits, um, other organizations that we collaborate with, vendors. The sole purpose of the, of the outreach was to ask how we were doing. Now, that sounds so like vanilla, <laughs> like, well, why wouldn't you ask people how they're doing? No, 
prior to this whole crisis, I'll be honest, we would reach out to people when we were checking up on a proposal. We would reach out to people. Yes, we thank our donors and do that on a regular basis, but my fear is it was becoming rote. It was becoming mechanical. And what I have sensed from other people that I'm now emulating this myself is they're reaching out kind of like we jokingly did at the beginning of this podcast, which was, are you okay? Mm-hmm. How, they're asked, how are your staff? And some of them who know us well will ask about you and Shannon by name. Mm-hmm. How are they doing? What are you guys doing? You know, we're, we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And I put that in the category of kindness because it's something that unfortunately feels so uncommon that's becoming common now, and I hope that it continues. So that was just, I know that's a really simplistic example or tactic of kindness, but just reaching out. Um, and, and I challenge people to do it every day. Pick a different, whether it's a customer, a vendor, a contractor, a, a coworker, or someone who works for you, at least one person. And of course, the larger the organization, the the more this would have to kind of morph. But reach out with the sole purpose of finding out if people are okay. And if they have their needs met, what can you do? Um, you may not be able to meet their needs right? Maybe it's just, hey, I hate to say this, but like thoughts and prayers, you know, but like, but you know what? This is a time where it was really, it's been really nice to know that people thought enough. Shoot, even the people who do our design here locally for like our business cards and everything, they wanted our, our, uh, what do you call that? Relationship manager. She emailed just to find out how we were doing. That was it. Not, mm-hmm. do you have any work for us? Nothing. And so that just felt really kind to me. What are your thoughts on some ideas of how we can reach out with kindness? And maybe it doesn't have to be that broad. Maybe there's something even more specific. Yeah, so I would I would just pull it to like a very personal level for all of us. Um, for kindness to trickle down or within our organization, we really have to try to be kind human beings. And so um, one cool thing that's happening is in my neighborhood, the little neighborhood that I live in, there has been more community built during this time than there was in the previous almost three years that we've lived there. Wow. There are neighbors that we haven't talked to before more than just a passing high that have reached out. There's one uh, elderly lady in the neighborhood who decided to do a front yard Easter egg hunt for all the neighbors where we could bring your own eggs and they wore gloves and they put them in the front yard and the kids could go out. Uh, people are checking in. They're aware of people who are going through difficult times. With employment. People are more aware. We are more aware. We're more sensitive maybe to the pain around us. But a cool thing can come out of that is that people are choosing kindness um, in the same way. Um, when I go to the grocery store or run an errand, it's incredible how polarizing the reactions are. You're either experiencing that kindness or, or you're not. the opposite <laughs> of that kindness uh, in public settings. And it's such a drastically different climate. And so again, think about it like that. Maybe you had that same experience. Maybe you were grocery shopping um, and you noticed that people were being very kind and going out of their way and being polite and not being in your space. And then maybe you went at another time and you're like, this is terrible. We can reflect that same thing in our organizations. We have a choice as leaders um, what that climate's going to feel like. And we, you know, uh, we have an opportunity to at least set the tone in our sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's felt. It will be felt. Um, but it's got to start within us. Do we really want to be kind and reflect that kindness yeah. when it's so needed? Well, I love that. And I think that kindness and the next piece that I want to talk about 
kind of can be a hybrid, and that is frequent communication. It goes without saying in a time like this when so many people are working remote and when so many people are not working, I can't remember who said this. I think it was you and I were on a recent Zoom with Howard Behar, the former CEO of Starbucks, Mm-hmm. Remember, and he said that employers, you need to be in contact with people that you've laid off. Mm. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. He said, don't forget about the people you've had to furlough or lay off. And so to me, that's an act of kindness, but it's also, it also is a, an act of communication. And so my tactic around frequent communication is I have lots of ideas on, on the mechanics of this. But my big idea is whatever your communication is right now, double it. Because people are feeling more disconnected, more, uh, there's so much information coming from so many different sources that getting that frequent communication from your boss, the leader of your organization, what have you, find a way to do that. We do it through Slack. Uh, We do it through Zoom calls. I know lots of other organizations that are are doing the same thing. But I heard, I saw a really cool idea the other day that kind of combined kindness and communication. And what they did was, it was a smaller company, like a a boutique marketing company, I believe it was. They have like 15 or 20 employees. What they did was, they have a weekly happy hour on Zoom. And in advance of this one week, they sent everybody, they mailed everybody a box to their home and had everything they needed in the box to make the cocktail so they all could have the same cocktail together. Um, or maybe the cocktails were different, I'm not sure. Maybe they sent, like if someone didn't drink alcohol, maybe they sent them something else, but they were highly personalized. So people got this box that day and then they joined the Zoom. And mm-hmm. so to me, it made it really personal, which to me was kind, it was highly connective. And then also tied in with their weekly communication Mm -hmm. via their Zoom call or or a secondary communication, which was their happy hour. So I I feel like that that's specific to an organization that might be appropriate and one that's not for another. But I loved the idea of kind of combining those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought one of the other things, one of their statements that, that Howard made when he was talking about how we communicate, and he was referencing people furloughed and laid off. But he also said this, and I think it's important we understand how this can play out, but he said, it's important that leadership share in the pain. Mm. And so I think when we're vulnerable in those moments, the, I don't knows the, I really hate that this is what we have to do. Or you guys, I'm a little bit scared and here's the things that I'm scared about. And here's how I want to react to that. I think those moments have the opportunity to build trust. And again, it is kindness to do that. Um, there are people that are going through difficult times with employment that may be just assuming that um, leaders are sitting in their ivory tower unaffected by all this because they're high enough up the chain. Um, but if you're a woke leader, you know better. Um, and you are feeling this. And you do care. And it pains you to see people, um, not only you invest in, people you care about hurting. And so um, sharing the pain can be a valuable thing what we have to be careful with is not to use that to manipulate, right. <laughs> to leverage, to, um, to jockey, to like, there's so many things that we can do in the wrong way with that. And that's why servant leader mindset matters so much. Yes. Segway. Yes. <laughs> Dun, da, la. Um, okay. So the second strategy I want to talk about is work to make decisions that are not just crisis based, but future based. 
The reason why this fell under vulnerability for me, and maybe I'm making too broad of a connection here, but as a leader, I can see how a leader might feel like it, it's a little too vulnerable to be thinking about the future right now beyond like cash projections, which we, ha- we need to do that. But what I mean is to be thinking of in terms of dreaming again for the organization and what kind of organization do we want to be on the other side of this crisis? Who do we want to be? What questions do we want to be asking? If you're a product-oriented company, what products do we want to deliver? And once we get into that recovery period, it's not like we're just going to enter into that recovery period and then have all this time to plan to be that company or that organization. What's going to happen is we already have all the issues we were facing before the crisis, right? Before COVID-19. Then you have the COVID-19 crisis layered on top of all those issues. None of those issues underneath have gone away. We're dealing with these things simultaneously. But what has happened is, is this virus and how we're dealing with it has really overshadowed so much of our business operations. It has really preoccupied everything. And so the temptation would be to crisis manage as long as we can and forget about future-based decisions that look more like dreaming and vision, you know, because right now we just got to pay the bills and keep people employed, et cetera. And so my challenge is to to do both and, to try to make some decisions that are future-based and based on who we want to be six months from now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now, but then also manage the crisis at hand, that we don't look at these as as if they're in silos. So that's kind of what my thought process was Mm -hmm. behind this strategy. Yeah, uh, a wise woman once told me, is it me? Okay. Um, (laughs) That there was like a really difficult situation and you had a, it was either email or text, but it was, this is really hard for you and you can do it. Yeah. And I think that holding both of those intention and allowing the both and there can be very empowering. I think when you look at what's happening right now, I don't think restaurants look like they ever did before after this is over. I think there is, there will be new things created out of this, new services that are going to be provided. Um, And like for our team, we have had several moments to begin dreaming about things, things that we thought would be, oh, in the next couple years, let's start talking. And we're already thinking like, what if it wasn't a couple years out? What if this could be a solution? Yes. Um, And um, when we get into this mode where it's crisis and how do we survive, I think the greatest danger is that we allow fear to be the key motivator in our leadership. And your best stuff is not locked up in fear. Your best stuff is not like hidden away in fear. And if I just dig it up deep enough into my fear, I'm going to find my best stuff. That's not where it lives. Um, Now, part of the reason I would say is because I happen to believe that um, people are pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) We're good and we have great, tremendous opportunity and potential to impact the world in a positive way. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's really an opportunity to view things a couple different ways. And when you think of a word like trajectory, just that little bit of an angle, that little bit of a difference over the long haul with your approach, your mindset, what you do in crisis will have a tremendous impact on the future of your organization. Yeah. So one tactic that I came up with, I, I'm coining the phrase right now. I'm calling it the green light group. <laughs> trademark. So we've been, trademark. Um, <laughs> I need to make a clip of that. We're typing it in right now. Um, so I didn't come up with the green light phrase. Someone else did. I actually don't know who. Cause I was just on a Zoom call and someone was talking about it. So It was us. It, um, but 
depending on the size of your organization, I really think that companies, nonprofits, even small business owners need to be putting together a core group of people whose job it is, is to gather data from the rest of the employees about how we can implement, to, to get ideas about what they need to move and grow into the future, into the bigger vision of the organization when, once we're into this recovery period or what they call the green light period. Green light meaning when we get to open up restaurants and go to the movie theater again, et cetera. When, when we start gradually opening these things up, that's the green light period. So having a green light group or a green light plan that doesn't involve just managing the crisis, but involves what do we need to support our growth moving forward? What do we need to support innovation moving forward? I know at Relay, we're already talking about growth and innovation as early as this fall. Um, and here's the thing. We have no assurances that any of the ideas that right. we have right now are going to work out. But I'm telling you what, and this is just my personality. I know not everyone's like this. But if I stop dreaming, I die. If I don't have a new idea to really um, chew on, so to speak, or to really research and to really run down to see if it's going to work, I feel stagnant and I feel stale. And so for me, part of a green light plan would be, hey, by September, we're going to do this. By January, we're doing that. And then we start implementing tactics to do that. Why? To me, having, and I'm calling it green light group, but each organization might call it something different. To me, it builds hope. That's the factor for me, that if we're going to balance this crisis management and then also planning our future, we have to build in hope to our plans. And to me, we need something to look forward to to create that hope. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, I, I think when you think about being hopeful and you think about multiplying that in your team, um, you will never regret that investment. <laughs> And people who don't rise to the occasion of being hopeful in crisis, um, it'll be big indicators on, you know, um, how you lead and how you manage and where your team is and what they value most. Um, it's not just, you know, this pie in the sky thing of like, you know, there's a little bit of what I call bro leadership out there right now where it's just like... <laughs> you know, it's, this is good, the time to capitalize because everyone else is sleeping on the job and you're going <laughs> to do more this and that. And, um, I'll tell you, I had a conversation with like a regional sales manager in an industry that's been really hit hard in this time. And he is in this middleman space where a couple steps, you know, up the ladder from him, they're wanting him to like audit everyone's time. Cause this person is concerned that everyone is on Netflix too much during oh, this. Um, and as I was talking with him, his response was like, they might be, but they might also be homeschooling their children. Right. And so the way that you frame that conversation and what you have people working on and the, the, is this a hopeful situation or, you know, the ships going down, grab a bucket, um, it really is going to have, um, you know, it's going to play out for everyone to see. Um, and it can be a, a pivot. It can be an exciting time, uh, or it can be terrifying. Yeah. Um, and it can be terrifying for a long time too, <laughs> depending on where your mindset is. Well, yeah. And so I just feel like it's important that if we're going to make future-based decisions, we think about the needs of our employees and our coworkers in a way that creates the future that we want, not when the future gets here, but we think about it today. And so one of the ways we can do that, so obviously building in hope and, and planning for the future 
this is very specific and I am biased because we run a leadership development organization. One of the other ways you can do that is to continue to look for, even if it's just online learning opportunities for your, um, for your employees. And interestingly enough, I think that while skills-based learning is always going to be necessary, teaching people about the mechanics of leadership, we do a lot of that too. I think finding learning and development opportunities for them that support that are supportive in nature uh, right now is going to be really important in the next six to 12 months. And what I mean by supportive in nature is supporting their emotional, their mental well-being, um, things that focus on, for example, mindset like we do, uh, training and development opportunities that help them develop as people. I've talked about this before. 3M, which is a huge company, and you may not think of 3M and you may not put 3M and millennials and Gen Zs in the same category, but surprisingly enough, about 60% of their employees fall into one of those two categories. And they surveyed their employees and they asked, what, are, what do they want from their employer, from 3M? And the number one category that they said was they wanted personal development opportunities, personal. And so please understand that with the growing number of folks in the workforce that fall into that millennial and Gen Z category, that the way you're going to keep them engaged and excited about the future is to provide them personal development opportunities. And they abound. It falls under learning and development. But when it focuses on their emotional well-being, on how they're showing up as human beings at work, those are the kind of things that I think are a really strong tactic in helping your employees think future-minded. It also communicates to them that you see them as a part of the future because most employers aren't going to spend a bunch of money on learning and development right. if if they don't see you as a part of the company in six right. months. And I can assure you right now, 3M is grateful for the investment they made in engagement. They are, you know, as you know, right now, they are one of the you know, one of the main manufacturers of these right. filtration systems and masks, their world, um, there is such demand and need and a real crisis. And here they are um, in the middle of this with an investment that they've placed in their people that feel like they're valued. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, um, how people grow in that season uh, as an organization too. Yeah. So to summarize, I know it sounds biased, but I truly do believe it at my core, even if I wasn't the executive director of a learning and development organization, that in order to be future-minded, you have to continue to invest in the learning and development of your people, for sure. Now, next time, Jason and I are going to take on a couple more of these. We're going to focus on a different mindset, a couple more strategies, and a bunch of tactics. I do want to hear your thoughts on these audience, so don't hesitate to reach out again at slapcast at relayleadership.org. Follow us on all the socials. Now, this month, we've just launched something really exciting. It's a way for anyone, no matter where you're listening from, so not just in Columbus, you can engage with us on an ongoing basis. We have a subscription program that includes things like a weekly note from me. Yes, I really write them. I don't outsource that to somebody. Monthly group, that might not be worth anything to people. So, you know, that may be here nor there. <laughs> but I mentioned it in case you're like, yay! Um, monthly group coaching and even access to an online video learning library. And there's, each of those depend on what level of subscription that you have. And these levels are for both individuals and organizations. So there's something that would fit any budget, something for, you know, if you're just an individual listening to this and you want to do it for yourself, or you have a team. So check them all out at relayleadership.com slash 
subscriptions slash subscriptions. Okay. Thanks for joining us on the Slapcast. Until next time. 